Amen. Would you remain standing and put your hands together for one of our very own pastors, Pastor Vince Benson. Open your Bibles to Revelations chapter 5. Y'all can remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Revelations chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, And I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah... The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Father, we thank you for your word. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path to reveal your will for our lives. And may we walk, Lord, in your will every day of our lives, so much so we're conformed to the very image of your Son, Christ Jesus, 
our Lord and Savior. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all in agreement said. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about Revelations. I am not a Bible scholar. Okay, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. I, I barely graduated, you know, high school. Okay, so I'm not coming to you from a scholarly point of view, but I'm coming to you from the heart because I am so tired of the news. I am so tired of what people are saying out there, and I am so tired about what everybody else is doing. As a matter of fact, I've cut the bad news off, and I've turned on the good news. Hallelujah, because I find it in his word that God tells me the truth. And I ain't got to worry about people flip-flopping, people changing their minds. I, I, you know I vote, I, I, and I believe in the power of the vote, but I no longer believe in politicians. I'm going to vote right, and I'm going to do my part. But I am going to pray and seek God's face, and I am going to hear what he's got to say because I want you to know that there you can't stop one jot or one tittle of this word from happening. It cannot be done. It is written. I'm telling you right now, it is written. I don't care what they say. I don't care how they vote. I don't care what their opinions are. It is written in the word of God, and not nobody, no president, no world leader, nobody will ever be able to change any of it. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's amazing to me. It says right here in Revelation 5, the one who lives forever and ever. You cannot kill Jesus. You can take him out of the schools, but you cannot kill him. You can take him out of the courthouse, but you cannot kill him. You can take him out of the church, but you cannot kill him. They already tried it, and he rose again and is alive forevermore. Somebody ought to shout. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Woo! They tried to kill Moses, and they butchered every kid two years and younger in Moses' day. When Jesus came along, they killed every kid two years and younger trying to kill a Messiah. Even though he told them he was coming, and he told them where he was going to be, and they still couldn't kill him. Jesus bad. I'm sorry. I know the bad devil, good God. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying where I'm from, Jesus bad to the bone. You can't, you can't touch him. That man stood in a crowd of people that was trying to kill him and said, nobody takes my life from me. He said, I will lay my life down. And I'm so bad, three days later, I'm going to take it back up again. Oh! You can't get no better than that. You can't get no stronger than that. You can't get more powerful than that. Where was I? Yeah, that's not even a part of my sermon. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, y'all. Revelations is so good. Stop watching movies. 
Read the book. It's not a book about our defeat. It's not a book. Y'all need to open it. You guys are in Revelations? Look at the first page where it actually says Revelations. What does it say? It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. What? Yeah, a lot of people like to leave that part out. Oh, the apocalypse. Oh, the end times. It's a revelation. It's a revealing of the Lamb of God, of the Lord of Lords, and the King of Kings. It's the revelation of the end time plan for God's church and for God's people. It's all about the devil's defeat and about Jesus' final triumph on the earth. You ought to read this book. If you read the movies, they, if you look, watch the movies, they give you a, a wrong interpretation of the apocalypse, of the revelation. And it'll, it'll look like we're losing. And they're like, oh, Satan is going to be released. Hey, he's going to go and do great and mighty things in all the earth. God has already done great and mighty things. He's already defeated the devil no matter what he does, no matter how much noise he makes, no matter how loud he roars. The Bible says he roams about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. But Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has never been defeated and never will be defeated. No matter how many movies they make, they've already wrote the, Jesus already wrote the book. Way before we came around, 6,000 years ago, I don't know when it was that he wrote the scroll. That Jesus would one day, in the throne room of God, open. But that scroll is already written on both sides so that nobody can add to it and nobody can take it away. And nobody can stop it. From happening. It was already written. And when he opened it, what was in it was poured out on the earth. I want you to know they might have their opinions. They might have their courtrooms. They might have their movies. But we have the scroll. Hallelujah. Written for men from all times. Revealing everything that God would do on the earth. Yet Satan has no power against it. Can't stop one thing from happening. I want you to know, I don't care what the news says, we win. People think it's hard being a Christian. It's easy being a Christian. It's already been done. All we got to do is walk it out. Script's already been written. All we have to do is follow it. It'd be different if we was trailblazing, if we was writing it ourselves, but all we got to do is open it and read it and walk in it. Walk in faith and victory. Let me tell you something. Long before and long after all these doctors and lawyers stopped doing their stuff, we will still be in the hospitals praying. We will still be the first people at every disaster on this earth that happens. Because we're the only ones brave enough. You know what? Our armies that we have, they're strong because they have believers in them. You take the believers out of the army, it's going to get weak. And it seems like they're trying to force believers 
out of the army. So be it, but we won't have a real army. But I want you to know that the army that is real is not because they have some kind of green or, 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 or brown or camouflage or, or blue uniform on. Anybody tries to invade where we're at, they're going to find the army of God. And I don't care what kind of weapons they got. I don't care how many aircraft they got flying around. I don't care how many bombs they try to drop on us. They couldn't beat us then. And they can't beat us now. Oh, yeah, I got like, what, seven believers in here? Praise God. <laughs> What's going on? Why'd you guys? It's amazing to me that, that we don't think that God is stronger than in bombs. Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. This is an amazing time to be alive in. We actually get to see what is written. We're actually about to see what God is going to do. Our God is such a paradoxical God. You know what a paradox is? It's something that, that it, it, it seems one way, but it's really another. It's a paradox. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling how, you know, they have oxymorons. You know, like, um, like jumbo shrimp. Okay. <laughs> that just don't make any sense whatsoever. In the Navy, we used to say na naval intelligence. Stone blood. <laughs> was an oxymoron. Okay. Here we have a paradox. We have the revealed Lamb of God that the Bible describes in the same chapter, almost in the same verse, as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, how can you both be a lamb and a lion? A, a, a lion is normally a predator, and a, a lamb is normally the prey. When you go around the lions, you see a lion there, usually in a cage. Okay, and you see a lamb that's usually in a pet zoo. So you have this lamb that is acting like a lion. How can this be? It's a paradox. But in God, there are many Many, many paradoxes going on. You have to understand that we're peculiar people. We, we, we don't look like we act. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, you ought to read Romans chapter 8, it's wonderful. It says we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And then in the very next verse it says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. You better watch out when you mess with a child of God. You got to be careful. You know, David used to play the harp and write and sing songs. But you would be sorely mistaken if you thought you could walk up on that boy. Instead of you would, you would leave with an arm or a leg missing, walking up on him while he's playing his flute and jumping around the room. It's a paradox. Okay, we're paradoxes. You know, why are the weapons that we form against them are not working? Why haven't they quit? Why won't they give up? No matter what we throw at them, they keep getting back up. No matter how many we kill, they keep rising again. You ever been fired from a job because of what you believed? And all of a sudden, you got a better job. 
I've seen it happen. You don't discount a child of God. You never give up on them. You know why? Because we're Christians. We're Christ-like ones. We're just like Jesus as much to the degree as we want to be. And I don't care if they throw us in the grave and put a rock in front of it. There is no guarantee that that's going to hold us. <laughs> I'm Y'all think I'm lying to you. But one day, even the dead in Christ will rise. Oh! You know why? Because we're just like him. They couldn't hold him in the grave. And they can't hold us either. They couldn't kill him. And they can't kill us. So I don't know, pass all the laws you want. Why? There are places in the Bible where, where kings cried out. Why won't you just die? Why would they look at Elisha and say, why don't you just go away, man? They threw Jeremiah in the jail and said, just quit. Stop. I don't want to hear you no more. You're, you're in jail and you still. They took Paul in jail. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. On the jail cell wall, sending letters to his friends, Timothy and Titus and the church in Corinthians. They were like, lock me up. I don't care. How do you just give me more time to write for him? <laughs> There's a message in here somewhere. We're paradox. There's three things you need to understand about paradoxes. The first thing, especially about Christian paradoxes, the first thing is, is God's strength is described as weakness. It's disguised. By weakness, what? God looks weak, but he's strong. You know, Jesus stood there and let them crucify him. Amen. <laughs> he had 12 disciples that was crazy. And Peter was the craziest one. And, you know, it says in the Bible that, that Jesus was standing there when they came to arrest him. Okay, and... And, and Peter jumps out with a sword and cuts somebody's ear off. And Jesus looks at Peter, what is your problem? <laughs> you know? What are you doing? He walks over casually. I don't know what the rest of the guards were doing. But he walked over casually, picked the man's ear up, and put it back on his head. That's an amazing thing to me. All of us, he was looking weak. But anybody can put your ear back on instantly without surgery, sutures, without medical... Just boom. The guy was like, whoa. Whoa, hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus, they asked Jesus, where's Jesus of Nazareth? He said, who are you looking for? He said, Jesus. He said, I am he. And they went, boom. These guards came to arrest him, right? And he spoke. Did Jesus look like he was scared? Did Jesus look like he was concerned? He said, I am here, and they all fell backwards. He turned around to Peter. He said, Pete, dude, you got to calm down. Don't you know that if I just asked my father, he would send 12 legions of angels. 
Check. Don't, don't worry about these people, check. I am doing the will of God, and even though it looks like I'm losing, I'm winning. Work with me, Pete. Hang out with me. Jesus is, is saying to this crowd tonight, he's saying to those who love him, who know him, he's saying, look, it might look dark out there. It might look like I'm winning, but hold on. Hold on. I'm about to open the scroll. <laughs> oh! I'm about to do something that they ain't ready for. They was whooping him. They was beating him. They was pulling out his beard. And it looked like he was weak. And he looked like the lamb. But really, right at the same time, he was the lion. And when he looked, when it looked like his enemies were defeating him, he was actually... Even though he wrote it down in the book, they couldn't see it coming. He said, it's an amazing thing. This is, this is crazy because scripture comes out, the scroll comes alive. When you see stuff like, if Satan would have knew what Jesus was planning, he would have never crucified him. <laughs> he would have he did it. I mean, he's sitting up there doing the jig. Yeah, I got him. He's down. He's out. And three days later, pump. Did I not tell you last week that I, nobody takes my life from me? I lay it down and I take it back up again. I can't use the words that I want to use because y'all ain't from Cleveland, but that's okay. <laughs> I just want you to know that even though it looks like he was losing, he was winning. It was a paradox. Wow, amazing. Give us another one. Okay. The Bible says in Isaiah, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. <laughs> Jesus said some paradoxical things like, take my yoke upon you. my yoke. And he, and he says something paradoxical about a yoke. Okay, and he says, take my yoke of, upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your souls. That don't seem right. I put a yoke on me? I would bind myself to you and instead of being your slave, I would be your instrument. And you would use me for great and mighty things. He said, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. That's a paradoxical thing. Because in the world, it looks like the greatest among us is the ones that everybody else is serving. The ones, they sit on the throne and, and everybody else bring them grapes and grapefruits and whatever else they want to eat. And, and it looks like that. But Jesus said, it's not that one. It's the one that's serving that's the greatest. Wow. That's kind of backwards, Jesus. It's kind of it's weird. But it's kind of weird. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25 through 29. It says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. But God, does not, but God chose the foolish things of the world 
to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Good golly, Miss Molly. The way God says, you know, all the Russian army, all they're, all they're massing the Chinese army. He says, they got armies, they got nuclear weapons, but you have a scroll. Hmm. See, we can take a little time to preach right there. Moses had a stick. <laughs> David had a slingshot. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What has God given you? <laughs> he uses the foolish things, the weak things. Yeah. The counted out things. Yeah. The ones they discarded. Oh, he rolls up. Hallelujah. God wants to use you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. And I don't care what was done to you. You are a child of God. Let me tell you, and it's not over till he says it's over. Hallelujah. You can rise again. You can get back up. You can go back in. Ooh. Hey. Mm -hmm. I didn't come to wrestle with no devils tonight. I came to wrestle with some minds. The second paradoxical thing that you need to know about the children in the kingdom of God is that God has a plan. What? That's right. God has a plan for you. He had a plan for Jesus. He wrote it all down from cover to cover. This is God's plan for you. It's not a secret, but it's very, very powerful. So powerful that even though God wrote down all his plans, the devil could do nothing to stop them from coming about. Not a single thing. There's a plan. There's a scroll that the devil cannot understand. As smart as he is, he can't figure this thing out. Why is it working? I don't know. You know, the Hindu faith believes that you just, life's a round robin. You just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. No matter what you do, no matter what you do, you just go around the mountain one more time. Round and round you go. You don't never stop. This goes on for eternity. I'm glad I'm a Christian. It's going around in the circles like being on a rocking chair. I don't care how hard you rock, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> We are going somewhere. God wrote the scroll. He said, I has not seen, nor has it entered into the mind of man the things that God has in store for them. He said, to be for absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you ain't got to fear death. You ain't got to worry about coming back. There's no roach or no rat. I don't even understand that. Because I kill a rat and a roach in a minute. I mean, no roach has ever prevailed against me. Not one single roach has I ever lost a fight against. Now, I might couldn't find them, 
But everyone I've ever found, I've killed. Hallelujah. Rats, man, they're kind of big. You got to let some of them go. Okay. <laughs> oh, some things are reserved for God and his angels. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we don't believe in reincarnation. I don't know how you could do it, but the Bible is clear that God has a plan for you. The plan is in his hand, and nobody can take it out. Have you ever played any kind of sports? If you ever get on a team that doesn't have a plan, you ain't going to win no games. I'm just sorry. If you ain't got a plan, you ain't going to win. If you don't have a plan, you cannot win. If your plan is to go and, and die and then come back and keep running again, that is not a plan. I don't, I don't know what that is. You know. But God's plan for your life is that you go on and live in victory. That even though it looks like you're going down, you still get up. And even though it looks like you're weak, through your weakness, his strength is perfected in you. And he just comes down and flows to you so that they know it's not you. They said, that boy, that boy knows somebody. I don't know who knows, but I'm going to leave him alone. There's only so much persecution that you have to tolerate. You ain't got to open your mouth. You ain't got to be worried. If God defended Jesus, he will defend you. It doesn't even mean anything if you die. Jesus said, though you die, yet shall you live. That's a paradox. How, how can that possibly be? Well, Jesus said, you know what? I died and I rose again. I, I love the book of John. And I love it where he says, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms, many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He says that where I am, you will be also. If I'm not dead, you're not dead. Hallelujah. You have to pass through death but you're coming into eternal life. If I'm alive forevermore, those who believe in me will be alive forevermore. They will be with me. He says, don't believe the preacher. Don't believe the teacher. Believe what I told you. Believe what I've written in the scroll. Last thing I want to tell you. This is going to be amazing to you because I've never really understood this before in my life, but I understand it now. I want to tell you one more time that this you have to know. Now, when you repeat this, you're going to know it's true that God is in control. The number three paradox about Christianity and the kingdom of God is that God is in control. But it doesn't look like he's in control. We can't even see him. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, he said, it is written. He said, but then the devil was like, hey, Jesus, if you do this, he said, it is written. It's in the scroll, baby. You can't stop it from happening. Try every trick you want to. Try every lie you want to. Try every deception you want to. It is 
written. Do you know whose hand Jesus got the scroll from? He got it from his father. It was in his father's hand. And it's now in Jesus' hand. And he took it and he opened it. Because God already wrote it. He wrote the beginning. And he wrote the end. And then he sealed it up. And kept it in his hand. Jesus came and got it and opened it. Do you think when the stock market fluctuated, that guy go, ooh. <laughs> ooh, the America's wobbling. Do you think when you got the doctor's report about having some kind of incurable disease, that God didn't know that was going to happen to you? So I'm so sorry, Micah. I just, you know, I didn't know that was coming. You know, I'm just like, God's in control. He wrote the scroll. He wrote the book. Can't do nothing about the book, Jack. Can't change not one jot, not one tittle. Can't take nothing out. Can't put nothing in. I don't care what them people say, how many other books they got, <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, they get the blue book, and they get the red book, and they got all these other books. <laughs> There's only one scroll, and you cannot take it out of his hand. He already said, nobody will add to this word or take it away. Jesus said, not one jot, not one tittle, not one period, not one dot on the I would pass away from that book. You can't change it. You can't alter it. You can't take a vote and go, we are nullifying the word of God. Yay. Merrily yay. Stay away from them people. The lightning bolt is coming. Well, as soon as they do that, you do, if they're standing right here, you do this. You know, I'm not saying nothing about God's aim, but that dude is about to explode. Okay. And you don't want that mess on you. Okay. <laughs> you don't mess with the great I am. God, the Bible says, he knows the end from the beginning. God operates outside of time. He's not bound by it. He's all the time in the past, all the time in the present, all the time in the future, all at the same time. Well, how can he do that? Three letters, G-O-D. He exists in eternity. So when he said you can't change anything, he stood at the end and said they won't be able to change anything. Went back here. And reveal to us that they won't be able to change anything. I've already been to the end. Went over to the end, said, mm hmm. Went back to where we are and said, they won't be able to stop me. Nothing can change my plans, nothing can alter. I went to the end, and when I looked, I still had the scroll on the throne. And then Jesus came and got it.
Nobody can take it out of my hand. And nobody can take it out of his. Because I gave him all power. And I gave him all authority. So when I tell you here. That you win here. You can trust me. <laughs> Though they slay you, yet shall you live. You know why? I saw a number. Read Revelations, it's awesome. Of people of every tribe and every nation. Of a number that could not be numbered. Here. You win! There's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life. It's only one life to live. And that's the life of a born again, spirit filled, on fire. Little commercial, not lukewarm, on fire. Child of the living God, the one who lives forever. Not those other things that keep going around in circles. <laughs> Just the one that lives forever. But there's only one way to get there. Jesus said, and he's the only one that has ever said this in history. He said, nobody gets there except through me. You cannot get to him unless you go through me. If you're here today, you can't trick your way. You can't get another plan from somebody like they know. Just because somebody stick a dot in the middle of their head don't mean they know that they can see the future and change the future. I now know all things, and you can follow me. Jesus said there's only one way. Follow me. This is how you follow Christ. You receive the sacrifice. You say, Jesus, you hung on a cross and died for my sins. But because, and they put you in a grave. But because it wasn't your sin, the grave couldn't hold you. They could find no charge against him to which they could condemn him to hell. And three days later, they had to let him go. And he rose again and ascended on high. And he gave gifts to men. And he is now alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father, Waiting for the command to open the scroll. If you're here tonight, you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. No more playing around, no more messing around. The time is coming. Once the scroll is open, it's sealed. Your fate is sealed. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says this. He said there'll be two walking and one will be taken and one left. He said there'll be two at work. 
And, and one will be taken and another one will be left at work. And you can't get there with your friends. You can't get there with a popular vote. You can't get there because your family is going there. You have to make a personal decision to receive a personal God as your Lord and Savior. With every eye opened and in full control of your mind, ready to make a decision that will only govern your destiny for eternity. Everybody's going to live forever. The only question is where you're going to live. Those that receive Christ will live in heaven. Those that refuse Christ will live someplace else. You don't want to be there. It's not a place made for men. It was made for the devil and his angels, and it's not a pretty place. But you, you have the choice for the, that drives the direction for, the, for not only the rest of your life, but the rest of your eternal life. You have a decision to make. Will you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? There are other people here. You used to follow Jesus. You used to live for him. But then you got caught up in the affairs of this world, and it choked your relationship with Jesus out. And like the prodigal son, you wandered away. But just like the prodigal son today, you've come to your right mind, and you say, it's time to make things right between me and my father. It's time to return to his house. And just like the father received the prodigal son, he will no means turn you away today if you will rededicate your life to him. And there's some people, man, we just, we've got all confused about the information that's coming off the World Wide Web and information that's coming out of TV programs, and we don't know whether or not we saved tonight. This is an easy deal. You too can be sure that when you leave this place, that when you leave earth, that your final destination will be heaven and not hell. All you have to do is make a decision for Christ tonight. So whether you're making a decision for Christ tonight for the first time, or you're rededicating your life to him, or you're just making sure that you're saved, I want to pray for you. If that's you and you're in any of those three situations, and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, Simply right now where you're sitting, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody here want to come back to Christ? I thank you for those hands. I thank you for the hand in the back. Hallelujah. Anybody else want to come to Christ? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Won't you stand with us? Now, if you raise your hand, and you met business with God. Or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you still want to give your life to Christ. If that was you, I want you to make your way out of your seats. I want you to come stand and right here before this altar and this place. If you can't live for Christ here and stand before him in a place where people love him, you will never live for him out there. Make it right. Make it right. Make it right. Now I want everybody here to repeat this prayer after me, especially these on these altars, but everybody in this place. 
Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you tonight to forgive me for all my sins. Forgive me for all my mistakes. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Write my name in your book of life and make heaven my home. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. I ask these things and declare you as Lord over my life. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that all those that prayed that prayer out loud and met it in their hearts are saved and their destination is no longer a place. The Bible describes us out of darkness, hell, but it's a place where there's no more crying, no more tears, that eventually, Lord, that we will find ourselves with you in heaven for all eternity. Until then, Lord, we will read our Bibles. We will stay in fellowship in, in, in church. We will pray and seek your will for our lives. Whenever we make a mistake, we will never run from you, but we will always run to you to receive mercy, grace, forgiveness, love, restoration, and salvation. From this day forth, lead us and guide us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now there's some people coming to minister to you. Just stay right there. Hallelujah. Pastor Daniel. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, we're just going to pray for you. Just stay right here. Congregation, sing with us, won't you? Give you my soul. I Touch these right now. Have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you, Lord. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm away. they're ministering i'm gonna have pastor vince just pray for us what a powerful word you know i i just believe that right now pastor vince i'm praying right now i believe that god's going to release the gift of faith come on some of you worried some of you concerned listen when you when you get it all all figured god's got it all under control he's going to release faith to you tonight and he's going to release the gift of faith mark eleven twenty two says have the faith of God. How many of you know God's faith is perfect? It doesn't grow. And in fact, you can look at the gifts of the Spirit. There's a gift of faith. It's, it's, it doesn't grow. It's perfect. It's God's faith. You can pray for that. In fact, Dr. Morocco has taught us to pray for him, and I certainly agree for me. Pray for the gift of faith. Pray, for that. pray that for Dr. Morocco. Pray for me. Pray for yourself. The gift of faith, the gift of leadership. That's what we're believing for. Pray that for myself all the time. 
Right now, God can give you a gift of faith. It's just a gift. Boom. And when you pray, things happen. And He can increase your faith too. Amen. Two different kinds of faith, really. Faith that grows. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. The gift of faith is God's faith that He just dumps it on you. When you pray, boom, mountain moves. Come on, let's pray for that. Pastor Vince, come on, lift your faith. You just, you, you're troubled about some stuff. Lift your hands. You're troubled about some stuff. Come on, God's going to touch you. It's going to give you faith. Trouble's going to go. Faith's going to flow. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Those online, we're going to close in just a moment. Pastor Vince, go ahead. Father, regardless of how we feel or how we think, we're stronger than what we look. We're a paradox, God, because you are our Lord. And you are our Savior. There's nothing too hard. There's nothing impossible. You make ways for us where there seem to be no way, Lord. Give us faith to trust you and believe you even in these troubling times, God. Even though the wind rages, Lord. And the storm roars. We put our trust. We put our hope. We put our faith in you, the God who saves us. The God who loves us, the God who delivers us, the God who heals us, the God who provides for us, the God of blessing. Touch every life here tonight, God, and remove their trouble from their way. Better than that, God, make them stronger than their trouble. Make them overcomers, full of faith, supernatural faith. Release it to them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Take someone by the hand. Let's close tonight. Going to have revival this week. Come on, say amen. amen. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards us, O God. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Praise God.